So today as we come together on this Labor Day weekend, you know, I began to think about how it's the end of summer. In essence, it marks the end of summer. There's a shift and it's a change of seasons. For those of you that don't know, from Memorial Day to um, Labor Day is the 100 deadliest days of summer. As people are out on the water, people are traveling, it's just a very deadly time, especially for our first responders. And so, um, how about let's pray real quick as we begin the service. Father God, Lord, I, I thank you. Lord, I pray for those who are out on the water today. Lord, I pray for those that are traveling. Will you keep them safe? Or be with our first responders as they're out making sure people are safe as well. Father, I pray as we wrap up this summer, it has gone by quickly. Lord, I praise you for what you have done, the next steps that have been taken, the baptisms, people joining. Father, thank you for people moving, listening, receiving your word and responding to it. And Father, I pray today as we change seasons, Lord, as, as we go back to work on Tuesday, Lord, help us to get into our routines, a routine of, of humbly following you each and every day, of seeking you and seeking to make much of you. Now, Father, I pray now as I preach and teach your word, Lord, may I decrease and you increase. Lord, may they not hear Chris, but may they hear from your Holy Spirit. Father, help us to take a nugget of wisdom from your word, from this message, to live it out, to meditate on it, to hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Father, we ask all this in the mighty and precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> so what's interesting is uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Mr. Gordon Hudson who goes to church here, wise gentleman. And so during our senior adult luncheon, I was doing some other tasks, but I remember that he began to ask the question of what exactly is Labor Day? And so that got me to thinking as well. And so Labor Day, in essence, is a way that we celebrate and pay tribute to the contributions and achievements of workers. What's interesting about Labor Day is that it originated in one of the most dismal chapters in American labor history. In the late 1800s, at the height of the Industrial Revolution, the American worker, the average American worker, worked 12-hour days and seven days a week, including a lot of children. And so they did that just trying to eke out a basic living. And so there were some strikes that took place, right? Anytime there's discord or people that are disgruntled, they will let you know. And from there, the idea of a working men's holiday was born on the first Monday in September. It was started by one company. Several others took notice. And then, of course, the government, like we led the way. And so the companies led the way. So the government came back. And in 1894, Congress passed legislation. And so for 128 years, we have taken a day off. It's a day off from our labor. It has come, as you've already heard me mention, to symbolize the end of summer. People get together, have cookouts, have those last little hoorah as we get into our fall routine. But all of this to say, what does God's Word have to say about labor? What does God's Word have to say about labor? So if you will, turn your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And as you're turning there, I just want to remind you in a way of context of where we are this morning, that Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. The church was divided, and Paul is urging them to work together. He's trying to correct their thinking and their theology. And so now I want us to start by looking at one verse. This is where we'll begin today. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, which says what? It says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I want to call your attention to a few things in this particular verse, that we're to be steadfast 
we're to be immovable, that we're to be abounding in the work of the Lord. This is my life verse, and I learned it in the New Living Translation. And so what I love about the New Living Translation is look at what it takes the last half of this verse and says. It says, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Right? Like, I have to go back to this text, and I have to say, God, what does it mean to be steadfast? What does it mean to be immovable? I I don't want to sit still. I don't want to remain in this. I want out of it. And what his spirit has said back to me is, I'm not done yet. I'm not done with what I need to show you in this particular season. So I encourage you, if you don't already, have a verse, have a life verse that grounds you, that you go back to, that not only brings you comfort, brings you hope, but also challenges you from time to time. I have to write it out. And so today, I've come to remind us that what we do for the Lord is never useless. Paul tells the church earlier, tells the church at Corinth earlier in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9, he says, For we are God's fellow workers. You see, friends, we're called to be working alongside of God for His glory. In essence, our prayer should be, Lord, may your your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Psalm 40, verse 8 I delight to do thy will, my Lord. Right? It's his will that we should be doing. And so I've come to ask you this morning a very simple question. A very simple question. Who are you working for? Who are you working for? Check. I want you, in essence, this morning to check your labor. As I began to think about this, I thought about my buddy Mark Champagne. And I want to tell you a story that stuck out to me that Mark shared with me a few years ago. And so for those of you that remember in English class, some of y'all might have been asleep like I was in in physical science, so I'm not going to fault you, but maybe your teacher tried to instill this in you, is the five W's in an H, right? As we study Scripture, as we think about our life, as we try to apply it to our lives, sometimes we need to apply that lesson that we learned from English, the five W's in an H, who, what, when, where, why, and how. So as we think this morning about our labor, about checking our labor, let me tell you a story about Mark. Mark Champagne is a friend of mine. He was a headhunter, so he would go and he would find people for other companies. He would go and hire them, make sure they were qualified, and he would, you know, get them from one company to bring them another to build their team, to to build the deck, if you will, to to strengthen their crew. And so Mark told me a story about working for Maxway. So he went from being a headhunter. He wasn't following Jesus at the time, but the people in his office were. And so they, it was a safe space for him, and they began to just kind of obviously rub off on him, and, and they, he began to see things and began to ask questions, and he began to take next steps in his faith, and he began to grow. And so he left from being a headhunter, and he went and worked for Maxway. And so I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. Mark said, Chris, when I came to Sumter, he said, my check in the upper left-hand corner might have said Maxway, but my, I'm really working for the Lord. Right? And, and that's the view that we should have of it as well. Because who, who are we working for? We should be working for the Lord. What? Are we simply working for a paycheck? No. I, I don't think we are. Right? Yeah, a paycheck is important because we need to pay our bills, but there's more important things for us to be doing. When are we to be working, right? Is it just that we go in, we, as a Christian, you know, as, as someone who works in the outside world, yeah, you might go and punch a clock and work nine to five or whatever, but when it comes to Christendom, when it comes to following Jesus as a believer, we never really get to check out, amen? We don't, like, I mean, my test, and my, I, my patience and my faith was tested the other day, and, and yours would be too, if you'd be transparent. 
I got stuck behind a guy at the intersection of Westmark and Alice Drive, and he sat through the light twice and didn't go to turn left. And I'm thinking, okay, God, uh, you know, okay. And so finally, when it came back around, like I gave him a couple toots of the horn, and listen, it was yellow when he went, and I went too because I didn't have any more time to waste. But my, te- my faith was definitely tested at that red light. And yours will be as too. We never get to check out from being a believer. So we're to work for Christ all the time. Listen, so who are we working for? We're working for the Lord. Are we working? What are we working for? We're not working for a paycheck. We're working for the glory of God. He saved you to be a conduit and a vessel of whom his glorious life-changing gospel would flow to others. He didn't just save you so that you could get your hell insurance and live however you wanted to live. That's not how it works. When are we to work? We're at work all the time. And where are we to work? Friends, I hope you realize that this is not your mission field. You come here on Sunday mornings to be spurred on, to be encouraged, to be taught the Word of God, to to be challenged. But then when you walk out of that door this afternoon, when we say amen at the closing prayer, that's where your mission field begins. When you get in your car, when you go to your home, when you go to your workplace, when you go within your family, that is where your mission field is, and God has you there for such a time as this. Are you going to miss the mark? Absolutely. Hopefully you will extend grace to others and they will extend it to you. You, listen, that's your mission field. You're going to get to see people this week that I won't ever get to see, that they won't cross my path, they won't cross Pastor Austin's path. Right, you may be the only Bible somebody ever sees. So keep that in mind as you leave here today, that that is your mission field out there when you walk out of those two doors. Why? Because we have to or because the Lord allows us to? I would submit to you this morning, it's because the Lord allows us to. Then, what do we say? The who, what, when, where, and why, and then how? How are we to work for the Lord? We are, are, we to, are you giving your best? Are you giving an honest day's hard work? What we see in Colossians where Paul says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. I think about Proverbs. If, if you get there sometimes, like that's a great way to start as a next step in your faith journey. <clears throat> there are 31 Proverbs. How many days are there typically in a month? Anywhere from 28 to 30 to 31 days. And so what you do is, for example, today is the fourth. So open Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, the day of the week corresponds with that. Uh, chapter and read through that and so what we see in proverbs proverbs chapter 13 verse 4 it says the soul of the sluggard the lazy craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied proverbs 14 verse 23 in toll there is profit but mere talk tends only to poverty What's interesting here, too, is we think about how we're to work and to be working and about our labor. We see what Paul says to the church at Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12. Look with me on the screen behind me. For even when you, we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you are walking in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Hello? We, we've got some busybodies in the church, amen? Like you gossiping and running around and trying to do this and trying to do that, that causes disunity. And, and so we're to be at work, not idle, not bu- busy at work, and not being busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Now, now let's go back to 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. That That last phrase that Paul uses there, he says, Your work is not in 
vain. He's speaking metaphorically of the endeavors of the labors of the acts, which result in nothing. In essence, there are things that people do. There are things that we do. There are things that I do that are vain, fruitless, and without effect. But, but with Christ, your labor isn't in vain. It isn't fruitless, and it isn't without effect. I have a song that I want to share with you now, and I want you to pay very close attention to the words. I my life was done, and I stood before God's Son. It was time to see what my reward would be. With love he reviewed my life To count what was done for Christ For that was what would last eternally See, I'd done my best to share that Jesus really cares and he would save if they would just believe oh but seldom did harvest come so few did I see one Turn around and see Then he showed me the places of the ones to come Because of me So many faces that my life had led to God Guys, every day 
that you walk this earth as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have no idea when you work for the Lord and you make much of Jesus, you have no clue who is being impacted. As that song said, no matter how small the task, that you kept your hand to the plow, that you planted seeds that God watered. That's a beautiful, beautiful reminder that, that we're not to worry about what we can see, but we're to worry about what we can do and what God can do in and through us. So I've come this morning to remind you that though you may not see the fruit, though you may not see the results, keep teaching, keep loving, keep nudging, keep guiding, keep pointing others to Jesus. You have no clue who will be impacted. So you have an option. As you go through your life, are you, are you pointing them towards hell or are you pointing them towards heaven? Are you pointing them towards Jesus or are you pointing them towards the world? Because the world is not where our hope comes from. The State House, the White House, Washington, D.C., that's not where our hope comes from. Our hope comes from the Lord, the maker of the heaven and earth. Friends, when you're doing the right thing for the right reason, for the right person, Jesus, don't let anybody tear you down. So we come to a part in the message where it's like, okay, how can we apply this to our lives? I want to give you an acrostic of how you can live this out in your life. So I want to work off of the word labor, and I very quickly want to give you an acrostic off of this. The first word would be labor. And as you labor, I think there are three things that we need to do. That we need to listen, we need to love, and we need to laugh. Well, what do we see here about love? In, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 22, tw- uh, 36 through 39, they asked, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. For me, as I study the word and in several copies of my Bible or as I'm writing it out, as you see there on the screen behind me, I will write occasionally a heart around that word love. We're, we're, to, we're to love one another. We're to love others as Christ has loved us. And what did Jesus say? That they would know us because we're members of Bethel Baptist Church? That, that we tithe, that we give, that we attend Sunday school, that we try to be a good person? No, no, and no. He said that they will know you, they will know that you are my disciples by your love. Can people tell that you've been with Jesus in the way that you love others? A lot of times we go out and try to work and we try to love like Jesus, but we also forget to listen. Listen to what Jesus' half-brother James says in James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, not just some of y'all, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We should be quick to listen. If you want to begin to pray God's Word, here is a perfect verse to begin to pray. I can't tell you how often I will wind up in difficult conversations and I will have to simply stop and pray before I get on the phone or I walk into that room and I literally will pray this verse. Lord, may I be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That's a great verse to begin to pray God's Word 
back to Him, to get it in our hearts, to get it in our minds, that we may live it out. Listen, we can even have fun while we're working for Jesus, amen? Bildad, when speaking to Job, says in Job chapter 8, verse 21, he says, He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouting. Psalmist, Psalm 126, 1 through 3, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they, then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. So not only should we love well, we should listen well, we shouldn't be afraid to laugh and to have fun while laboring alongside the Lord. Amen? I mean, some of y'all, you say you got the joy of the Lord, but tell your face. I mean, tell your face. Paul also talks about labor earlier in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 4, 12 and 13, he says, And we labor working with our hands. Around that same passage, he also reminds us, When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. See, that's what I've tried to teach you the last however long I've been with you, is that when you go, when you're studying your Bible, and it takes you to a cross-reference, it takes you to a supporting verse, read that verse, but also read a little before it, or read after it. I encourage you as well, have a copy of God's Word that you can mark up, and that you can underline. Why? Because sometimes for me, in between meetings, or maybe I'm waiting on someone to show up, or maybe I just have a few quiet moments, I'll sit down and begin to open my Bible and just read through some of the underlines of things that He's shown me in the past. And it's a blessing all over again. As we labor for Christ, remember this, Galatians 6, 9, And let us not grow weary for doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. All right, so moving along, tearing along. So we got labor. Then I want you to check your agenda. I want you to check your agenda. What are you doing? And who are you doing it for? Why are you doing it? Are you advancing God's agenda or your own? Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do thy will, my Lord. Right? It should be the Lord's will that we are doing. Also, as we think about our agendas, you could say calendar. Now, I heard this phrase one time that says this, and I told the first service. Now, some of y'all might be the same, but I know the first service because they've told me this. They live by their calendars. Why? Because they need to know when their next doctor's appointment is, right? Because they just find themselves going to all these doctor's appointments. But I've heard it said this way, that what gets put on our calendars gets done. Now, somehow or another, I had a recurring event that I was supposed to work out three times a week. That didn't get done, so that shoots that theory, shoots a hole in that theory. But hey, it was, it was, I, I had good intentions. All right, so we should check our agenda. Listen, not only this, I, I couldn't narrow it down, so I'll give you all three. We've got to acknowledge. We have to acknowledge who we're working for. And lastly, there's a third A, and, and we're called to be ambassadors. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians. We're, we're called to be ambassadors. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Maybe some of y'all need to reread that. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. He, in essence, paid in full. Like we owed a debt we could not pay. And he's like, hey, reconciled, it's paid. 
You can't earn it. I paid it for you. That Christ may, that all of this from God, who Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We're our ambassadors. Are you living as if you're ambassadors? Also, we've all been given the ministry. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That is restoring friendly relationships. Next, as we see, I want you to see, so not only are we to labor, we're to check our agenda, but we're we're to have balance. We're to have balance. Where do we find that? In Ecclesiastes Chapter 4, 4 through 6 is the Amplified Version. What I like about the Amplified Version is, if any of you have ever tried to learn another language, things don't always translate very well. And so what the Amplified does, you'll see parentheses, you'll see brackets. So it's breaking out what the true meaning of these words were in the Greek and the Hebrew, of which the Bible was written. And so here we see, talking about balance, I have seen that every effort in labor and every skill and work comes from man's rivalry with his neighbor. This too is vanity, futility, false pride, and chasing after the wind. The the fool folds his hands together and consumes his own flesh, destroying himself by idleness and apathy. One hand full of rest and patience is better than two fists full of labor and chasing after the wind. What I was reminded of, some of y'all, when when you get the least bit of pushback in your life or you get offended, you're ready to duke it out. You, you ball your fist up and you're ready to fight. And, and what I noticed in this text this morning is what? That the one hand is supposed to be full of rest and patience. You might be angry, but, but it's their rest and patience. And that's extending out to others. Extending out from ourselves. If, you, if you're just angry all the time and clenched up, you're, you're just hurting yourself, holding on to that bitterness and anger. Friends, we must have a work-life balance. We can't work all the time, neither can we play or relax all the time. Your next word in the acrostic is opportunities. Are we looking for opportunities? Are we praying for opportunities? Are we taking advantage of opportunities? We did here recently as a church. What did we do? We, we gave gift cards to, to Furman and to Manchester. And, and you say, well, they're taking God out of school. No, we just got invited in. We wrote on the cards, Jesus loves you. We do too. Thank you for what you do. We're praying for you. Thank you for the difference you make cleaning the school. Thank you for making delicious meals. And what do we do? We got to take those into the schools. Not only that, then we got invited in to to give them some words of encouragement and to pray over them. Are we praying for opportunities? Are we taking advantage of the opportunities? Listen, very quickly in Colossians, Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us. We should be praying for one another, praying for the body at Bethel. That God, what? That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. The last letter in our acrostic is rest. Rest. Have to go back over to the Old Testament. And we see here in Exodus, 
part of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within the gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Friends, if God... In his sovereignty and his strength and his wisdom and his power, if he had to take a rest, you do too. You're not God. You can't continue to operate at a pace that you're going. So I encourage you to find time to rest. Sunday afternoon is a great time to rest, amen? A good time to take a nap. Listen, as I begin to close the message today, as we think about our work, we think about what we do in life. In August of 2018, I experienced something I never dreamed that I'd have to experience. My grandfather passed away a few years earlier. My grandmother had passed away too. My dad had had a stroke. My uncle came along and basically sold all of our family's businesses. And what was unique about this is the neighborhood that I grew up in, Mr. Bull, Bull Motor Company, he and my great-grandfather Hannah had a handshake agreement. And there was a pony pasture that they had. And I can remember flying a kite in that field. I can remember riding my bike as we built our car wash and then a mini storage and our laundromat. And guys, I have to admit that it took me a while to process all of this. But in August of that year, I I went and, and I turned in my keys and I walked that property for a final time with it being in my family's name. Took pictures with my kids and as I began to walk around, I walked over by where our mini storage office was, and on the way out, there was a sign. When you would come on the other side was the hours that faced the road, but when you paid your bill on the way out, you saw this sign, Jesus loves you. And y'all, in that moment, I was reminded of this truth. All of that stuff, those businesses, that property, those buildings, were wood, hay, and stubble. The Lord reminded me in that moment that only what's done for Christ shall last. C.T. Stud, I think I put stuff, is stud. C.T. Stud said in his poem, Only One Life, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Guys, whatever you do for the Lord is not useless. We have people that have stepped up to, to lead a group. We, we have people in this church that when there's a death, that they, they respond and they cook a meal. We, we have women in this church that they take a pen and a note card and a stamp, and they literally just will write on there, Pastor, we appreciate you. We're praying for you. They drop it in the mail. They, they sent my wife one. They sent, they sent me cards. That, that's making a difference for the Lord. How many of you have cell phones? If you've got a cell phone, text somebody, call somebody, call one of our shut-ins, call somebody you haven't seen in a while. Hey, you got an oven? Some of y'all like to bake? Bake somebody something. For nothing more than just say, hey, I was baking me one, I baked you one, here you go, I'd like to be a blessing to you. See, friends, I want to encourage you this morning that, to keep working, to keep loving, to keep dreaming, to keep discipling, to keep investing, to keep planting seeds, to keep giving, to keep serving, to keep praying. Why? Because your labor is not in vain.
Y'all, I don't know what the Lord wants to do in and of this message, but maybe there's, maybe there's one of y'all in here today that as we work through this acrostic of, of checking our labor, of, of looking at our agenda, remembering that we're ambassadors, to, to, to think about the balance that maybe we're out of balance in our lives. Maybe we're not praying for opportunities. Maybe we need to rest. I don't know what it is today, but I want to invite you now as we sing this final song to either come and, and sit in one of these chairs up front. We don't, we don't have an altar per se with steps that you can kneel, but come and, and sit in one of these chairs. Maybe remain seated where you are today and just begin to pray whatever the Lord has placed on your heart deal with that before you leave today don't say I'll deal with that when I get outside deal with it now he's calling, he's tenderly calling old him Jesus is calling when we look into his face, his wonderful face the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of the glory of his grace look to Jesus this morning Y'all, he's called all of us. We're all a part of the body. The hands, the feet, the nose, the ears, the rear end. We're all a part of the body. And we're all wonderfully and uniquely created to do something for his glory, for his honor, to impact those that he's placed in our path. That there will be people this coming week that you will get to meet that I will never cross paths with. That you'll have an opportunity to pray with, that you'll have an opportunity to love, that you'll have an opportunity to encourage, an opportunity to share a verse, an opportunity to share a smile, to be a shoulder to lean on, a hand to hold. Are you praying for that opportunity? My prayer for you would be something like this. Maybe you just begin to pray when the Lord wakes you up in the morning. Lord, thank you for waking me up today. Will you give me an opportunity to be a vessel of hope and encouragement? Help me to encourage someone in your name today. Lord, give me eyes to see, ears to hear when that person crosses my path. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your love. Father, thank you for the reminder this Labor Day weekend that our labor in and through you is never useless. It's never vain. It's never pointless. God, help us to be as that song reminded me today. And I just wept as I heard it in my office this week. God, we will never know the impact that we've had for you until we get to glory. Father, help us to remember that each day. Lord, that we're not perfect and you don't want us to be. You want us to be more like Jesus and you're going to make us like him each and every day, but we'll never be perfect. But God, we're to be full of grace and forgiveness and understanding to love like you, to love you and to love others. And so, Father, I pray now in this this time of invitation, this time of prayer. Lord, I pray, is there one here today that will come and, and move and, and pray and whatever you placed on their heart, will they deal with it today before they leave? Will they grab my hand, Austin's hand, before they leave today, Lord, if they need prayer? They can come and pray with me now. Lord, but most importantly, Father, help us to do business with you. Have your way in this time. Have your way, Father.